Chris, and welcome to episode 137 of Podcast Piltroid. It's Russell here. I'm flying solo in terms of the uh, the rest of the gang, but I have the very great pleasure from Dundee of Paul and Ronnie from the Dode Fox podcast, a Dundee United podcast, not the other lot in Dundee, just to be absolutely clear. Welcome to the podcast, gents. Cheers, Russell. Thank you. Thanks, Russell. Okay, so Dode Fox. Who or what is Dode Fox? Uh, well, yeah, I'll take that. So, um... It, we're actually named after a stand at Tanadice. Uh, the stand is George Fox stand, and up here people are called George, get called Dode, and Dode Fox was a long-time director, supporter of Dundee United many, many, many years ago. And uh, yeah, that was one of the names we threw about, and it was the one that we just decided on and thought that would be it, and that was near three years ago. So you're really kind of diving deep into niche than the United heritage and history with <laughs> yeah, that one. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, so obviously a, a fan podcast. How often do you do you get around the mic to record? I mean, obviously league games come thick and fast, in certain comparison to you know national international games like which is our focus. But um, you know, is it is it is it is other stuff that you do in relation to uh, you know fan culture, respect to the club, or respect to the city? We, we stick a podcast out once a week. Uh, yeah. Every Monday it comes out and we essentially just discuss anything Dundee United related, whether it be the first team, some some rumours, players that are linked with you, young players that are out on loan, we'll give updates on them. Uh, we'll have a, a, a couple of daft games that we do on the podcast as well, just to pass the time, just to keep myself and Ronnie amused. And then we'll have an On This Day segment at the end of the, the issue where... We just say on this day in 19 whatever year we played and defeated Dundee or something <laughs> somewhere like that because we always play and beat Dundee. Ah, oh, excellent. I, well, I admire your, your regularity then. Um, far more diligent than, than any of us are on this one. Um, we're going to be um, talking Dylan Levitt in a bit. I did something similar with Scott McIntosh from the Amaroos, so let's it run a Hearts podcast. That was episode 129. Looking at how Ben Woodburn was getting on. And I think it's possibly fair to say that perhaps Levitt is doing even better than, than, than Woodburn. I mean, it might be an unfair comparison. Before we do, I've got a like slight confession to make as well in that I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Dundee United. And I'm not just saying this because I can remember quite fondly the 87 UEFA Cup run. And I can remember watching those games. They'd have been sort of on network or whatever it was, BBC or ATV. Mm-hmm. I can distinctly remember, it's one of my earliest footballing memories of watching the Barcelona game with my old man. And it's just, you know, really kind of getting <laughs> getting behind uh, these boys in orange from this city I probably hadn't heard much of. And also because it's a bit of a classic kit as well, f- f- to, to my mind, um, and that VG sponsor. We had a VG shop in, in, in just on the, on the main road. And I remember thinking, well, why is that shop? down the road sponsoring this team from Scotland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's my sort of confession. We, we'll take that. That must have been a hell of a <laughs> season and campaign. Amazing. Yeah. Like, you're probably not alone in having a soft spot for Dundee United because of that era. There will have been lots of people because unlike today where football is just on almost every channel, every night of the week, it was uh, it was only on a couple of channels uh, and it was very rare that you would get the live game. It was really only the big matches that were on TV and they were they were kind of broadcast all over Britain yeah. at that time as well. Uh, so Coronation Street might have got bumped one evening for Dundee United v Barcelona or, or whatever it may have been. But uh, yeah, I think Ronnie's probably just a little bit too young to 
fondly remember they they nights obviously but i was certainly there i was there as a ronnie will tell you i was in my 30s but i was around <laughs> about 10 11 12 uh, at this time and I, I took it for granted to be totally honest with you russell because when i was going to the the football at a young age uh, introduced to dundee united by my, my old man united were one of the better teams uh, they were always in europe they were they, they seemed to always be playing big games yeah as i say i took it for granted if only I knew. Yeah, yeah, and those formative memories, they really burn deep, don't they? My kids, mm. in terms of the Wales then, you know, they think Wales are kind of like this good all the time. <laughs> like, kids, <laughs> believe you me, this this is this has not always been the case. But, um, yeah, I think as well, just going back to the 87, that era with Europe, of course, English clubs weren't in Europe because of Heysel. Welsh clubs never amounted mm-hmm. to much in Europe in those days. So I guess, that, again, there was like an added uh, attraction then to a, a Scottish club going deep into European competition. So, yeah, no, good mm-hmm. good days, good days. And I'm trying to think what the, the the football shirt and kit website is. I want to say the Football Attic, I think. They had that kit in their top 10 all-time kits. Yeah, it's a classic. It's, it's, it's one that even United fans absolutely love. Uh, the club, just a couple of seasons ago, they kind of had a very, very similar kit that they released, and it was just universally accepted as this is the best kit we've released since yeah, the VG yeah. kit in the 80s. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely looked on for. I suppose my only criticism of it would be that no Welsh player wore it. Um, but then not many Welsh players have played for Dundee United at all, have they? No. No. No, I don't think they have. Maybe three, yeah, four, yeah. something like that. There's not many at all. So, by definition, he's, he's already in the the pantheon of Welsh greats at Dundee United. <laughs> he's, he's maybe the best. So, uh, where should we start? Uh, he's on loan for the season with yourselves at Tanadice. He'd had a, a loan spell uh, out in Croatia. He'd had a loan spell at Charlton. He'd had games at both, possibly didn't quite work out at Charlton. And, you know, as Welsh fans, we're, you know, we are really invested in these players um, and how they're getting on, but it did possibly feel after the, the the Charlton spell that it was another example of a talented, promising young Welsh player going out on loan and it not quite working out. Ethan Ampadu, arguably at Leipzig, gets relegated at Sheffield United, albeit did well there on an individual basis. Uh, ben Woodburn has had a couple of average at best loan spells. Harry Wilson early on did as well. So with Dylan Levitt, it seems to be Okay, another roll of the dice, try something a little bit different, go to Scotland. So it's not all that far away, but it's a different league and it's still probably a little bit out of his comfort zone as well. What's the general impression been that he's made? Oh, he's the best for them, isn't he? <laughs> this is true. He's been kind of a bit of a revelation as well. I mean, I think when players come on loan from, you know, your big clubs, your Man United, I think there's always still a bit of doubt about them because they're quite unknown to us up here and that's no disrespect, it's just they are. And as we've already seen with another loanee this year, it does not always work out for you. But then when you looked into what Dylan had, where he'd been, and he obviously just thought, I need to go and play, and he went and plays in Croatia, and you're still thinking, I wonder what he's made of. And then quite early on, it was quite evident how good a player he was. And then you realise, wait a minute, he's a full Welsh international. He's played X amount of games. There must be something about him. And I think he's missed maybe 10 games or something injured, maybe 12 games. and He'd have really helped us more if he could have been available for them. But he's been brilliant for us this season. He really has. I saw an interesting quote from Tam Courts, your manager, referring to him as an enabler. Other players are able to raise their game and perform better when he's around and that there was a little bit of a dip in performances when he wasn't, perhaps when the period you were alluding to, to there, Ronnie. I think what's interesting is that 
for a lot of Welsh fans, there was a bit of an unknown quantity for reasons you've you've, you've touched on. Giggs kept picking him, and he wasn't necessarily giving him much of a, a chance on the pitch. If, if if he came on at all, it was a few minutes as a substitute. But Giggs obviously saw something in him, and there's clearly a United connection there. He would have been on the roster there with Van Hal, for example, and, and Levitt would have been a youngster coming through. So he'd have obviously you know, known about him and known about him for a while. But the rest of us were kind of thinking as fans, thinking, well, what's he seeing him? Because well, we haven't really seen much. He's not getting games for United, obviously. He had one or two substitute appearances. We got pumped by England with a second string at Wembley 3-0, and he came on and he looked. He just looked lost. It was one of those performances where you almost feel sorry for the player. We're chasing the game. There's nothing left in it for us other than kind of individual kind of and collective pride and maybe some individual performances. And he just looked lost. He could not get into the game. And you saw, I mean, England got some big, powerful players as well. And he looked... He looked as if he was lacking kind of stature and physicality, which I think is a, a recurring criticism I've heard. It's been quite crowded, actually, in terms of you know central midfield options. Ramsey and Allen, obviously, first picks. So then in the system that we play, it's, you know, who's that third midfielder? Usually a holding midfielder, though, depending on quality of the opposition. Matt Smith has had a few games. Will Volks has come in on occasions. Josh Sheehan has had a couple of caps. And, you know, Drumrell's obviously the player that has made that third berth, you know, his own. But Ethan Ampadu is also hugely impressed when he's played there. So there's a feeling then that, well, maybe Levitt is sort of slipping down the pecking order a little bit. But he seems to have clawed his way back into things. He got he got on the pitch during the Euros as well. And it's great when you hear things like what Tam was saying, an enabler, talking about how he's lifting other players in the performance. Well, he definitely is. And what I would say about the, like when he's maybe came on against England and he's not done the best and he's, he's maybe went on loan to Charlton and, and he's not really shone. I think, I'm pretty sure he's only 20 years old or 21 mm-hmm. years old. He's still a young lad. When you look at his physique, he, he is very, very slight in comparison to guys that we see week in, week out on the TV, maybe down in the Premiership or in the English leagues. Uh, he, he is quite a, a slightly built mm-hmm. lad, but he, he makes a difference to the Dundee United team when he when he's in that uh, starting eleven. There's no doubt about that. Uh, his range of passing, positioning, you know, he, he's he's maybe not in the team to to go and win the ball back all the time. Maybe you want somebody else doing that, but he always mucks in. He never shirks, certainly. United are sitting pretty just now. We haven't, we've maybe not played great football for a number of weeks now, but we're sitting pretty in the league in fourth place. Most fans would have taken that at the start of the season, but we could have been better off points-wise, I feel, if we had had Levitt for the 10 to 12 games where uh, where he was out. Well, I was going to ask about your, your season. What were your expectations? You're in fourth, a few points behind third, so perhaps sort of best of the rest, as it were. But give us a flavour as well at the start of the season. You know, Dylan Levitt rocks up a training first day of his loan spell. What might his expectations have been? Is he expecting a relegation battle? Is he right to expect fourth competing for Europe? I think first and foremost, it was, especially as fans, it was we have to get into the top six. Top six was the minimum expectation up here. And he play a lot of games. And, you know, he's played, I think, 25 games or something, and which is the most he's played for any club. And he's, he, he certainly helped be that player that we've needed in the middle of the park. Well, you talk about middle of the park. We've had a question off Dan Roberts, friend of our podcast here, inquiring about what sort of position he's been deployed in. Is he sitting deep? Is he playing deep and able to get forward? Uh, give us a flavour of, of what sort of roles he's been performing and perhaps in what sort of tactical setups, formations. Well, I'll answer the first part. He's played played deep. And he's played further forward. And in my opinion, he's better further forward. Okay. 
he can almost play the quarterback role, I suppose, mm. as well. If he's a deep lying midfielder, then he could spray the passes about very, very well, as uh, as he did at Celtic Park earlier in the season, where he was absolutely fantastic that day. But formation wise, I'll pass that over to Ronnie because he he loves a, a false nine and a double ten. <laughs> so the majority of the season we've played with a midfield three, and that's been maybe in a four three three or a four five one or whatever. But we've had three in the middle of the park, and like Paul alluded to. It's been the odd time he's been like the quarterback in a team playing really deep and then getting a bit of a free roam at times as well. But he's, he loves taking a free kick and he just makes us kick. He sees passes other players don't, which sometimes goes against him because he sees passes other players don't uh, for getting on them. But uh, yeah, he, he's done really well. He gets himself stuck in as well a little bit. I, I know he's quite slight of frame. He looks very relaxed as a footballer. Maybe it's because he's 21 years old, but... We've had to dig in at times this season, and to be fair, when he scored a goal this season, they've all been outstanding as well. It's been great whether he's playing a six, eight, double eight, false ten, whatever you want to call it. He's playing the midfield, he's doing really well. Welsh fans are going to be really, really enthused at, at hearing this. He's had a contract at the end of the season at United, um, similar to, actually to, to Ben Woodburn at Liverpool. Um, you know, crossroads, perhaps, for both of them, more so probably for Woodburn. I think that's fair in terms of the next steps in their career. Will they stay in Scotland, for example? Will they want to return to those parent clubs, try to make an impression? I saw something online, I think it was like a Manchester United sort of fan site, fan news site of, of, of some sort. And, you know, Levitt was talking about how he wanted to impress Eric Ten Hag. He wanted the opportunity to create an impression, which is not unreasonable of him to ask. He's going to need a new contract in order to be able to do that, however. And I've not seen a huge amount to suggest that that contract is, is forthcoming. But, I mean, are you guys hearing any noises there? I mean, is there a chance that he could stay, become a permanent signing? He's obviously made a good impression. What sort of noises have there been? Honestly, we haven't haven't heard a thing. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're asking myself and Ronnie, we would sign him up for about another 10 years. <laughs> uh, but I, I fear that he may be on to, to bigger and better things than, than what he currently is doing. But, I mean, even if he doesn't make it Old Trafford, let's be honest, that's quite a high level on the ladder that you can... There's still a few rungs under that where you can make an absolutely brilliant career for yourself. So it would be uh, no failure if he doesn't make it Old Trafford. James Garner is another young United player out on loan. He's having a good season at Nottingham Forest who are riding high in the championship. So there's no doubt probably signings still to be made. So, you know, at a club like United, clearly with their... Size of the talent pool and the resources, they they're gonna always have a lot of competition there. But to suggest that you'd you'd, you'd give him a ten year contract is uh, again, like I said, it's gonna be uh, music to, to Welsh fans' ears. I hope we have. I hope we have. I'm not in charge of the purse strings right enough, but I'm definitely dishing out these sort of contracts if he's wanting them. There's another question here from Dan as well around, and again, getting at this this issue about the, you know the physicality, his ability in and the appetite for the you know the muckier part of the game, getting his foot in that kind of thing. You have alluded to it already, but then again, you know, look at Joe Allen, you know, who's seventy odd Wales caps. And, you know, not the biggest guy. And there is really no question about his desire and ability to get stuck in. So it's not a, a small equals ineffective um, argument at all, of course. But Alan's been successful and compensated maybe for lack of size by just being able to read the game ever so well. I think he reads the game really well. But again, his education coming through at Man United is going to really help that. And I'm pretty sure when he signed, we were lucky enough, we had Daniel Dofley on our show and he was ex-Dundee um, United, but he done a lot of academy coaching with United uh, with Man United. And we uh, and I and I asked him what would you like to be as an absolute player. 
But his reading of the game's really good. He knows he picks up really nice spaces. But in terms of defensive, I'm not sure we've really had to see him backs against the wall, you know, last line of defence, that kind of thing. And again, as a young lad, you'll, you'll make mistakes and you'll learn from them, but he just seems to go on with it. And that's the main thing you can ask for. But that's the thing, isn't it? When, when young players go out on loan, you know, they're going to make mistakes. And so the, the loanee club, you know, they've got to be prepared for those mistakes to happen. They've got to be able to... Um, you know, deal with those both in terms of the in-match experience, but then also in terms of you know the mental side of the game and learning from those mistakes. I don't know, maybe not being too harsh on the players. So you know, the clubs need to know that, don't they? And the whole kind of loan industry these days it seems to be so much more kind of detail and attention to 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 which clubs go where and into which systems and who are they going to be playing alongside and how they'll be coached and the data and everything else so much different to to maybe you know once upon a time when it was just a question of sending someone out anywhere just to get a few games under the belt and and, and cross your fingers oh, of course it is i mean that that's like obviously man united are loaning out one of their players to us and he's and he's then one of our best players but as a club dundee united obviously loan out a lot of their young lads as well because uh, like you, I think down south you've got the under twenty three, but but here it's only the academy league, and the academy league's essentially under 18s So for these guys to progress the way that clubs want them to progress, you've got to put them out to lower league teams, playing against guys that are they know their way around the football pitch, and they're maybe playing for a win bonus. You know they've got mortgages to pay and whatever else. Uh, and a lot of the lower leagues in in Scotland, the teams are part time as well, so. In many ways, it's a it's a great grounding because mm. the young lads that go out on loan, they could they could see okay, this is maybe if I, if I'm not quite good enough to make it at this level, then I might have to drop down. And these guys that I'm playing beside just now, they've got a job and they're doing this uh, on the side for for not very much. And the experience that they're getting from playing against men rather than kids their own age, uh, it's invaluable. Yeah, we had a question from Gwena Morris as well. I think you've probably answered this, perhaps, but you know, what are his best attributes? There's been some terrific showreels, if you like, on YouTube of some of his, his range of passing, his ability just to keep things ticking over. But you mentioned some of the goals he scored as well, and he did score an absolute beauty um, on the weekend. And I forget who it was weekend before we we're recording. He nutmegs one of them, quick feet, uh, and just drills it into the far mm-hmm. corner. Granger. That was against Hearts at the weekend, and he he scored an absolute raker against I think it was Motherwell, and he also scored a goal down at Kilmarnock, which was very good as well. That's one thing he doesn't seem to score a touch. <laughs> and apart from Gareth Bale, none of our players ever seem to want to take a shot from outside the box. That's like a bit of a frustration for years. Mind you, having said that, I do remember Bale burying one from quite far out against against your lot as well. Mind like Joe Allen never takes a shot. Ethan Ambedu never takes a shot. Joe Morrell never takes a shot. That would be something nice to see in our midfield. I mean, you don't pick it above some of the other attributes, but um, it would be nice for someone else other than Bale to kind of uh, ping one in from uh, from outside the box. Yeah, it's, pro- it's maybe just a confidence thing, Russell. Maybe, mm. maybe when there's when guys are in the same team as Gareth Bale, they're, they maybe think, wait a minute, I've got to get the ball to him yeah, rather than me taking a, sh- a shot here. Yeah, Who knows? Charlie Adamy kind of muscle past yeah and, and, and we're all right with that because he plays for the other mob up the street from us oh i see right okay yeah as i mentioned it i, I thought charlie adam there's definitely a dundee connection of some sort but um but it's the, yeah, other, it's the other okay one, cool yeah. i don't feel so bad bringing it up now then there's also maybe something here around scottish football the spl being useful to to wales in terms of giving some of those players that grounding um, okay, Ben Woodburn's perhaps hasn't been a brilliant spell, but it's not been a poor spell. Levitt's doing okay. 
different context. Aaron Ramsey's finding his feet again at Rangers on loan. But I've spoken a couple of times on this podcast to John Bleasdale from the SFF podcast. He's a Dons fan, Aberdeen fan, and he raves about Danny Ward. And I think maybe a few Welsh fans might have, have kind of forgotten that, that Ward spent a really, really good loan spell at uh, Pitodri. There's maybe a little bit more credit due the Scottish game in Wales maybe than, than we're inclined to think. I mean, it's far, it's far enough out of their comfort zone, but it's also it's close enough to home, I would say. But like in, in Bill and Levitt's case, certainly. I know that his family come up to watch most of the games. I'm assuming that if, they, if they're making that sort of journey to watch him playing in a, mm. in a different country up in Scotland, then they probably would have done so when he was at Charlton, possibly when he was if he was playing for the under-23s down in Manchester. But that can only help keep the, keep the lad at ease. It can't really seem like he's playing miles and miles away, if that's the case. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's everybody's different, aren't they? Like it's, I can remember the, the keeper that Aberdeen had, uh, Danny, Danny Ward, and, and he was excellent. He was excellent for Aberdeen. But it's, I suppose when, when players come on loan to Scotland, some of them have great reputations uh, or they come from big teams. And I think some of them, it might be their attitude. They might think, ah, oh, it's just the Scottish League. I'll probably go up here and I'll, I'll just stroll through it and it'll be easy. The standard might not be world class, but it, it's really easy up here unless you're absolutely fully committed and, and giving it your all. Uh, and I think Levitt's bought in. Uh, he's put his shoulder to the wheel and he's, he's just got on with it this season, much to his credit. I think one of the problems that we have in Wales with respect to Scottish football is mm. pretty, pretty much all of the, the, the commentary and analysis and reference to it that we get here is through an English prism, an English lens. It's English press, which, notwithstanding okay, you know, a national rivalry, I, you know, I get that to a degree, does appear to be fairly condescending, looks down on it a little bit. So it stands to reason if that's the only kind of lens through which you get anything that is Scottish related, then it's going to be slightly limited. It's going to be slightly distorted, I guess. Of course, 100%. And it's, it's, it's a bit silly to compare Scottish football with English football uh, when you could see the riches on offer down south. Any player that, that wants to make any sort of living from the game up in Scotland, they probably all want to go down to England because that's where the dosh is and that's that's where if they have a decent career down there, they're probably set for life. Rather than if you have a decent career up here, you're, you're maybe comfortable at the time, but you'll, you'll still have to go out and get a job after it, I would imagine, unless you're at uh, Celtic or the Rangers. But uh, I think the perception of Scottish football is that it's 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 a really, really poor standard. And I, I don't tend to agree with that. I mean, it's not the best standard, don't get me wrong, but it's, it's you still get some amount of entertainment from it, that's for sure. There was also another question to do with walnut whips. Um, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I'm clearly going to get ambushed on some sort of Dundee United Doug Fox in-joke there, other than to offer one to somebody who could come up with one of the other Welsh players to have played for Dundee United. And, Ronnie, you, you've you've come up with an absolute gem. Uh, Lee Jenkinson. Hopeless. <laughs> Hopeless. <laughs> David Partridge. He's the most... He's the Welsh one with the most appearances. Troy Brown. Yeah, he was Welsh. Troy Brown, that name rings a bell. I think Lee Jenkinson, I'd have to go and double check this and I can edit this out if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure Lee Jenkinson played against Brazil. Oh, well. I take it you didn't win that game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bobby Gould was manager, so we were lucky to get nil. I think as well they may have added on like room for another digit on the on the scoreboard just just in case. Yeah, I've got a faint memory of, of Lee Jenkinson having having been in and around the squad for that fixture. Oh, Troy Brown, Welsh in the twenty one cap. Yeah, I think so. That rings a bell. 
Thy Partridge, I think, is a, is, a, is, a, is a great call. Paul, Ronnie, really grateful for your time. I don't want to keep you any longer of an evening than I already have. I'm sure people listening to this will be you know, really enthused, really grateful, actually, that Berlin has, has developed, has appeared to be looked after well by your club. Your fans have taken one of our Welsh boys to uh, to their hearts. Freddie Welsh fan with Half Night on the remainder of your season. What should they expect and what are you hoping for? And what would you hope for? Drama, I think. Drama. <laughs> we, we basically need to win on Saturday to confirm our European place, we hope. We could potentially have to go up to the Highlands the last day of the season to secure our European spot. So, yeah, it's a proverbial six-pointer on uh, Saturday, you'd have to say. Is that fair, Paul? That is uh, that's more than fair, yeah. It's a must-win game. Must-win game. Finishing in the top half of the league was was the state of aim at the start, we, we, we think. But now that we're here... And it's it's such an opportunity to get into Europe, and to, you you really want to be finishing fourth. But if you finish fifth, then you're still in Europe, I suppose. But yeah, a win on Saturday is a must. So with four games left, as Ronnie said, we're hoping for another four screamers from Dylan, and uh, at least a couple of victories. Well, best luck. As I said, I think people are going to be um, keeping keeping half an eye out for you at the very least. I just checked on Wiki. Lee Jenkinson only had a B cap. <laughs> Not a full cap. Probably for the best. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> the way you described described it uh, just then. One final topic before I let you go. A uh, small matter of potential playoff clash between your lot and my lot in June. Um, I mean, it's a shame that uh, such a dark shadow has been cast over the end of, of qualifying in the way that it has. Um, but looking at things on the pitch, I mean, how, how, do, how do you expect that to pan out? Oh, easy work. No problem for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'm just relieved that uh, you're going to be the bad guys. Um, you know, the whole world in that first game is going to be uh, rooting for Ukraine. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you knock them out, then everybody would be rooting for us to knock out you bad guys. So, yeah, um, that's, that's kind of nice if it gets to that. <laughs> we can deal with that. That's fine. We're, we're all right with that. Well, may the, may the best team win in that first fixture. And maybe we'll, uh, we'll see you in, in Cardiff. If people want to keep in touch with all of the uh, the love that you have for Dylan Levitt, where can they find the Dode Fox podcast? Yeah, you can get us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. We're at Dode Fox Podcast. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, all the other kind of podcast places as well. Lovely. Gents, absolute pleasure. Best of luck for the rest of the season. Thanks, Russell. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Russell. Take care, sir.